From the book of Isaiah, I will make you as a light for the nations, and my salvation may, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. All right, I'm just going to cut right to it. You ready? Today is the much-anticipated, eagerly-awaited stewardship sermon. Come on, man. You're making it harder than it has to be. Uh, I'm actually, I'm not kidding. This is the stewardship sermon today, but I have to, uh, I do actually have a, uh, a confession to make, and it's this, that I, I fear friends. Does this sound really loud? Okay. I fear that I have let you down. I have a confession to make, and I fear that I have let you down, and the reason is this, that I am your rector, and I don't like to talk about money. I rarely talk about it. If you come to church here, I rarely talk about money, and for that, friends, I repent, and I don't say that lightly, because I have failed you. And the reason I say that is not because I enjoy talking about money, because I really don't, honestly. Um, but the reason I say that is because while I don't talk a lot about money, Jesus Christ actually does. And that's the reason I'm telling you I fear that I have fallen short. Jesus talks more about money than, uh, than heaven. He talks more about money than, than hell. He talks more about money than sin, than salvation, than the poor, than the oppressed, than the sick. Jesus talks more about money even than he talks about demons. And the point I want you to make, understand here is simply this, that Jesus talks a lot about money, and I haven't, and for that, I'm sorry. And the reason is simple that I don't is because it makes me uncomfortable, both inwardly and just to talk about it. And the reason it makes me uncomfortable is because I'm convinced that our generosity towards God, mine and yours, our giving, actually is a good diagnostic tool for the state of our soul. It tells us more about ourselves than I think we would actually like to believe. But friends, my job as your pastor, and going forward, I'm going to change this. My job as your pastor is to teach you what the Bible says, not only about all the things we talk about, but also about money. And to start that today, I'm going to give you a, a primer, a brief series of three things that that Scripture talks about with money, and particularly with giving, and particularly with giving as Christians to the church. Three things that are maybe not intuitive, but are true and biblical. Three points this morning about giving to the church of our money. Three things. That giving, for the Christian, giving is an act of worship. Point one. Secondly, that giving is a, an act of trust in God. And that finally, giving is an act of ministry. So giving is an act of, of, of worship. We don't think of it that way, but it's true. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of trust. And then giving is an act of ministry. So today, friends, we're going to do a, a quick dive here on these three things. And the first one is that giving for the Christian, giving for you and for I, is an act of worship. Friends, First thing I want to say about this, because it's not intuitive, and a lot of you give money to a lot of different things, and you give money to a lot of different things because you care about them, but for the Christian, giving is an act 
the central act of worship. Let me give you just two quick examples. First, tell you about a story about a guy named Jacob. Jacob is one of the patriarchs of the Old Testament. He's the, the progenitor, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's a big deal, right? And Jacob, in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob, who's a bit of a, an irascible fellow, but he, uh, in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob has a dream. And in this dream, Jacob sees a ladder, and he sees a ladder with angels ascending and descending. Led Zeppelin got it wrong. It's not a stairway to heaven, friends. It's a ladder to heaven. And the thing I want you to see here is Jacob has this vision, this, in a dream, he sees this vision of, of heaven and angels descending and ascending to this, to this, to this ladder to heaven. And he comes, he awakes, and scripture says in Genesis chapter 28, listen to this, this progression. It says, Jacob worships. And secondly, it says this. Jacob says to God, Lord, all that you gave me I will give a tenth back to you. Lord, all that you have given to me, I will give a tenth back to you. The point I want you to see here is two things. Quickly, the tithe, which is the giving, the standard of giving in Scripture, is 10% of your income to the work of the church. 10%. I'll get to more of that in a minute. But I want you to see here the first thing, the most important thing in all this discussion about giving is that for the Christian, biblically speaking, giving is an act of worship, first and foremost. And then secondly, I'll give you another example. Just a couple of weeks ago, literally, two weeks ago, we talked about the epiphany, the wise men. And they arrive, right, after a long travel to meet this infant Jesus. And they knock on the door and they walk in and they see him. Talked about this too, on the epiphany. They see him. And what does Scripture tell us they do? They fell down, imagine. They fall down, they worship, and they give. What do they give? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Really, really expensive stuff. Two things, two examples. There's lots of examples. The thing I want you to see here, and you'll see in a moment, it's obvious, that giving is an act of Worship. Giving is an act of worship. The Bible shows us that we put our money towards the things which we love. Let me give you an example. When I was younger, I always dismissed this. I dismissed a lot, but I dismissed this idea. I thought to myself, what, is, what, is God, what does God need with my money? You ever thought that? What does God need with my money? Right? I mean, he's God, for crying out loud. Well, the fact of the matter is that that's actually true. God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need anything from me either. He's God. He's the creator of the universe. He does not need a thing from you or from me. But what I realized later, as I got older and thought about it, and my faith grew a bit, two things. I realized, A, that it's not my money in the first place. It's his. And in fact, if you think about, think about it logically, it's all his, right? It's all his. Even I am his. You are his. Everything about you, he owns. Who of you this morning put your own breath in your lungs? None of you. Who of you this morning designed and created yourself? None of you. You're all his. Listen, here's, this is the crucial thing. Tithing does not change God. Tithing changes you. And that is why Jesus, I'm convinced, is so, spends so much time talking about wealth. Because how we spend it, where we put it, changes us. Changes your heart. 
It, cha- it shows what's important to you, and I'll prove it. Listen to this. Here's a question for you, and it's a real one. I'll prove it. Where do you spend, where do you spend your money? Because where you spend your money shows you what you love. I mean, think about it. You spend your money on your kids or your grandkids or your, your va- family vacations. These are all good things. I'm not knocking them. But we spend money on things that we love. We put money on things that, listen, we worship. That thing, we put our money on the things that we worship. And friends, I have another confession for today. I feel like I'm on the Dr. Phil show. But, but I, I, have a, I have a thing for electric guitars. Did you know that? I've played electric guitar. I played guitar since I was a teenager. I love electric guitars and not the cheap ones either. I like the good ones, the American-made Fenders and Gibsons and PRS and all that. Anyway, I love guitars and I buy them sometimes. And I own, I, own, I think, seven or eight guitars, which is kind of stupid because I can only play one at a time, but I buy guitars. I like them. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this, friends. Before I buy a guitar, I tithe. In fact, I, I've tithed 10%, full disclosure, 10% of my income goes to the life and the work of this church. 10% of all of my clergy's income goes to the life and work of the church. Our vestry, every single one of them, commits to the tithe as they, when they assume the office of vestry to serve you. Tithing's a big deal because it sets your heart in the right place. 10% of my income goes to the ministry of the church. Why? Because that's where I want my heart to be. And in fact, Jesus says this. Jesus says this very thing, not about guitars. I don't think God, Jesus cares about guitars. But he does care about you and where your heart goes. And he says this, he says this very, it's very subtle, but it's very important. Listen to what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. You've heard this before, but listen to it again. Jesus says, where your treasure is... That is where your heart will go. Listen to that again. That where you put your treasure, that is where your affections go. Think of the things in your life that you spend your money on. Your house or your kids or whatever, man. Think of where you put your wealth. That's where your heart goes. That's where your, your, your thinking and your guts and your core, it goes towards those things. And Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful. Because where you spend your money actually determines the things that you will rely on. Friends, here's the th- this is going to hurt, I think. Where you spend your money is what you value. Where you spend your money is what you worship. And the reason is because giving is an act of worship. Let me, let me ask you this. You know that I'm a big fan of Tim Keller. He's got a book called Counterfeit Gods. Fantastic book. You and I both suffer from this. We all do it, that we all have things in our lives that we rely upon that aren't God. We say it's God, but it's really other stuff too. But let me ask you this. Um, what, are, what are your little g gods? Well, how do you know? Well, look at your bank statement. Look at your credit cards. Where do you spend your money? That is where your heart goes. And that is, in fact, if you're not careful, what you worship, which is why Jesus says, look, Take the first 10 and put it to me first. And then your heart will follow that. Before your country clubs, before your cars, before your vacations, before your electric guitars, all that stuff. Listen, if if your country club bill is higher than you're giving to the church, that's a problem. 
If your vacation expense is more than you're giving to the church, that's a problem. Because what that says to you, it should, and what it says to me, if I'm not careful, is I'm putting more money on these things rather than where I really want it to be. You know why? We give to what we worship. So giving for the Christian is an act of worship, but giving is also, friends, an act of trust. This is big, an act of faith. The biblical standard of giving, again, is the tithe. 10% of what God, listen, listen to this, 10% of what God has given you back to him. Or put it another way, the tithe is when God says, you keep 90%. The tithe is giving 10% back to him or keeping 90% of what really belongs to him. I mean, imagine, imagine you were a money manager, right? Some of you were money managers. So some of you have people who manage your wealth for you. Imagine if you are were a money manager and you're managing Mr. Smith's portfolio and Mr. Smith calls you and says, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. Here's the deal. You can keep 90% of what belongs to me. All I want is 10% back. What if you said to the person who manages your money for you, if you have somebody, and you said to that person, you know what? You can keep 90%. All I want is 10% back. It's a pretty good deal. Christian stewardship is like being, sounds cheap, but it's true. Christian stewardship is like being a money manager for God because everything fundamentally comes from him. Everything comes from him after all. Everything flows out of him. I mean, imagine, again, when I first heard this, I thought, come on, man, I work hard for my, my income. When I had a corporate job, I worked really hard for that. I still do. But I thought, come on, you're telling me that everything belongs to him? Well, if you just stop and think about it for a moment, what if I had been born in the 13th century on the mountains of Tibet? What if I'd been born to different parents, had different genetics, had been born in a different century, had been born whatever, fill in the blank, man, hadn't been born at all? There's lots and lots of things. In fact, 99% of who I am and who you are is purely the result of what God has given you. He does require you to take those talents and skills and develop them, oh yes, but it all comes from him. Everything that you have, everything comes from God. And in fact, Jesus says this very thing in Luke chapter 12, verse 8. Here's another one. He says, everyone to whom much is given much will be required. In other words, you and I, you and I are taking care of what he has given us. You and I are taking care of what he has given to you and to me. And the fact that he requires 10% back is generous. God is a God of generosity. I will tell you, when I was a young man, I was 25 years old, and I first heard about the tithe, I, I thought that the preacher was, was nuts. I'd never, no one had ever told me this before. I'd never heard it before. I'd go to church on a Sunday. I'd throw a couple of bucks in the plate. You know, it wasn't a tithe. It was a tip. A tip to the old guy. Hey, thanks, Lord, but, you know, I'm going to keep it here. I will tell you, why. that's the way I looked at it. And, 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 all, and mainly because no one had taught me otherwise. Until the rector, Father Moyer, explained this idea of the tithe. And again, I bristled at it at first. But then he explained something to me which which changed my entire thinking, that God's demand for the tithe actually, actually comes with a promise. And here it is. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says the following. God says, bring the full tithe, 
into the storehouse. Money at the time was measured by grain. Bring the 10% into the storehouse and see if I will not rain down blessing upon you. Put me, listen to this. God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse and thereby, God says, put me to the test. In fact, if you know your scripture, God's when Jesus has tempted, and then Satan tempts Christ from the, from the temple, and he says, throw yourself down, and Jesus says, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That is a true statement in all of scripture, except for here. This is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, try me. I dare you. See if I will not rain down blessing. I dare you. Tempt, try me, and I'll prove it to you. Three years ago, a member of this parish came to me. I gave the stewardship sermon. I think it was stewardship. Anyway, we were talking about tithing, and he wasn't a tither and never heard about it before. And he said to me, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the challenge. And I said, good. I, come back and tell me how the Lord blesses you as a consequence of your tithe. And so he started to tithe, and about six or seven months later, he said to me, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He said to me, you're not going to believe this. And in my mind, I thought, yeah, I will. <laughs> I've heard it so many times before. He said, you're not going to believe this. I started to tithe this year. He said, my firm's income was through the roof this year. He said, listen to this. I made more money in the first six months of this year than I made all in the year before. And he said to me, you know... This, he says, you know, Father, this tithing thing works. I said, well, yes, it does, but actually it's not a gimmick. It's not a trick. What you've actually learned, which is the most important part, what you've actually learned is that God keeps his word. Let me just challenge you, friends, to think about this. And again, it's counterintuitive, but it's true. Let me challenge you to consider the tithe. Try it. See if God will not rain down blessing upon you. It might be financial, it might be relational, it might be all sorts of different ways. I don't know, that depends upon the diff different people involved. But I will tell you this, God is faithful. And I will also tell you this, anybody that I've known who was ever tithed, including myself, A, it's scary, it's terrifying. I've never met a person who tithed and regretted it. And I've never met a person who tithed and stopped, ever. And if you don't know this, I tithe. Every member of my, of my clergy team tithes. Every member of our vestry of this parish tithes. Why? Because they're committed. Friends, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of learning to trust God really. It's where your faith moves from your, your head to your heart, your guts, your core. It's a struggle. It's suffering. It requires a, it requires a risk. And then finally... Giving is an act of ministry. Now, here's the thing. Most of us think as giving as ministry as the most important part, and it's not. Of the three big reasons for giving, worshiping God, and learning to trust Him, those are the two most important. The ministry part, which is what we think of, is, in my view, as your pastor, the least important. Trinity Church is supported by only one thing, and that's you. We have an endowment that covers our building expenses, but our operating budget is covered only by the people sitting in your chair. If you give, we can do. If you don't give, 
We can't. It is really, friends, that simple. And what makes me uncomfortable years ago when I started to really get involved in the life of the church and started to really think through all this stuff and really pray about it, it occurred to me something. What makes me uncomfortable, my gut check, is that someday I know that I will be accountable to God for the decisions that I've made. I will be accountable to God for the way I have cared for his things. I will be accountable to God for stewarding his gifts to me. When I was 28 years old, I was working for Siemens Corporation, was making lots of money. I've told you this before. I was finished my staff meeting as the IT director. I went back into my office, and the Lord said to me the following, Chris, if you can do this for Siemens Corporation, you can do this for me. And I said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> At first, but again, I, I realized I am accountable to God someday for how I have used the time, talent, and treasure that he has given to me. We will all, friends, be accountable to God for how we have used the wealth he has given to us to manage in his place. Read the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. A talent is not, you know, I can juggle or I can play the violin. A talent in scripture is money. It's a a denomination of money. The parable of the talents, God is is the owner of all things. He leaves three men to care for his wealth in his absence. And when he comes back to see how they've done, the people that buried their wealth, that did nothing with it, let's just say this, it doesn't go well. Friends, let me just say, we will all someday be accountable for the decisions that we make. My job as your rector is to teach you what Scripture teaches, to preach and explain to you what the Bible teaches about all things, including money. The rest, as they say, is up to you. It's up to you to decide. It's up to you to decide, are you going to take God at his word or not? Trinity Episcopal Church, friends, continues because of the generosity of our parishioners and our faithfulness. This parish continues to be the fastest growing parish in the Diocese of Central Florida. Remember, it wasn't that long ago they were saying, put a fork in it, it's done. Not anymore. This year we launched a new Christian preschool where families and these children are hearing about Jesus, sometimes for the very first time. Over 150 people have joined this parish in the past two years. People are growing in their faith. And the thing which makes me most excited is people are sharing it and inviting their friends to quote John's gospel today to come and see. We have these new uh, foyer groups that Susan Miller and Cheryl Cheryl Harum have put together. These foyer groups, it's a lay-led ministry. People get together in the parish just to have dinner and meet new friends, new Christian friends. This year, I'm going to launch our new men's group. Let me just say all this stuff, all the things we do here in one thing is this, and and it's no overstatement. The work that we do in the church is the most important work in the world. What we do as Christians is the most important work that any human being can do. Why? Because we are responsible as, as followers of Jesus for the saving of souls from hell. To bring people to Jesus. That's our job. It is the most important work any human being can embark on. But, friends, it's up to you. 
God, I find this astounding. <laughs> but God places all of these resources into our lap and leaves it to you and I to make a decision. Am I going to be a good steward or not? So let me just challenge you as your rector to choose wisely. Think. Am I going to hold on to wealth tightly? Or am I going to do what God has required me to do and be joyful in my giving and, and push forward in the ministry of bringing either other people to him? Am I going to be a joyful and faithful steward of the things that Christ has put in my care? Father, shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word, which both comforts and challenges us. Boy, we thank, we thank you, Lord, today for reminding us that giving is an act of worship. It's an act of learning to trust you more and more fully. And it's also an act of ministry and bringing others to you. Teach us to be good stewards as we wait to hear those words that all Christians yearn to hear at the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook. Amen.